You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. We are wearing the exact same thing. <laughs> I did not realize that I until realized literally that just now. When we sat down, we are both in Michigan sweaters and gray joggers and slippers. <laughs> And um, I guess the, I think that's really where our chemistry blooms is uh, the U of M spirit wear. <laughs> there is so much of it in this house. Truly. I was wearing my Slippery Rock sweatshirt earlier when I was out and about. I don't own any Slippery Rock. It was a gift from my friend whose cousin actually went to Slippery Rock. Interesting. And her cousin was like, why do you need this sweatshirt? I never even went to the Slippery Rock game. Uh, I'm sure they're fun. It's just fun to hear them be announced yeah 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 that's the whole thing <laughs> but we have a lot of michigan gear in this house is the point i like to think it's tasteful and not obnoxious we don't have a flag up which i think would be crossing the line yeah ew yeah no no i also think like flags are tacky <laughs> just kind of in general it's like when you it just feels very college when you'd like walk into somebody's apartment and there'd be like a saturdays are for the boys and like an american flag and like a U of M flag and you'd be like that is disgusting in this place smells like piss i'm gonna leave immediately yeah, the only time that I kind of like it is when um, people whose back porches like face the L, mm-hmm. they'll have like Cubs flags and stuff, which yeah. I think is kind of cute. Why not dress yeah. up your porch the dub, for the yeah. people who can see it? Yeah, we should dress up our porch when it's not <laughs> when completely iced over with four inches of ice. I'm pretty sure that at this point, the um, snow pile to the side of our porch is like three feet tall. Yeah. We could lose a whole toddler in there. We, we really could. <laughs> what a horrifying thought. Speaking of toddlers, Liam is introduced in this episode. I was so excited because I knew it was coming. I totally forgot it was in the third episode. And I love Liam. Love him. Love him. My sweet angel baby. I just love him so much. He's such a small person. He's so little. He's teeny weeny. And we get to talk about him today here on the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where we talk about Teen Wolf. Mm. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. Yeehaw. Uh, We were totally poo-pooing season four because we're like, we're going to miss the drama of season three, forgetting that getting rid of the drama means just high school shenanigans. And that is fun. This episode was so fun. I laughed out loud multiple times. The amount of styles in this episode, mwah, chef's kiss. I also think uh, anytime Coach is in an episode, you know you're in for a good time. Yeah. As with this one. There's a lot of Coach in this one. Yeah. He has some of the better lines, too. He really does. Um, And yet we get introduced to Liam, who I love. Um, And some other things get sort of started in this episode. A little Mm -hmm. mascara. A little, little bit, bit of, of, I don't know what the ship name for Lydia and Parrish is, but I hate it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I guess we're going to have to talk about that because this is kind of the beginning of that, of that non-relationship because it never actually happened. Good. Thank, Thank God. God. But it is something worth talking about. Yeehaw. Unfortunately. Yep. Um, yeah. Lots of new things introduced, a new um, mythical creature yeah. introduced as well at the end of this. Um, A new villain of many to come in this season. And one of the scariest things ever on Teen Wolf. Yeah. Terrifying. I don't like it when uh, human faces are missing a feature. 
I think that there are probably a lot of people who have faced disfigurement who would be very sad to hear that. But I, I understand what you're saying. It's Uncanny Valley stuff. The Uncanny Valley of like you're looking at it and you know that it's been like digitally removed. I don't yeah. have a problem seeing someone on the street who clearly had a something happened to them. I like, figured it was just the way no. you said it. I was like, Julia. <laughs> no, it's just the fact that you can tell someone like put a little fleshy patch over that man's mouth. I I did not like the way you (laughs) described that. So we're just going to get into this episode, which is called Muted, by the way. And it was directed by Tim Andrew. I didn't catch who wrote it, though. It was. um, It was written by uh, Angela Harvey, the MVP of Teen Wolf. Plus her. um, And Alyssa Clark, who um, is a writer, editor, and producer and worked on 100, among a couple of other things. Cool. So In our wheelhouse. Yeah. Nice to meet her. Happy Mm -hmm. to have her here. She's new. Um, I think this is the first time that um, two women have two written women. an episode. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. Yay, getting, women. Getting some diversity. No. No, no we're mm. trying. We're trying. Not we quite. Are. Um, so before we can get into talking about this episode, we have to do the recap. Unfortunately, and much to my dismay. You are going first. I have to go first. That's okay. We're going to make it through. Um, Every day. I know we can make it through. When you said every day, I just heard Cheryl Crow. Oh, that's fun. I was just singing the Degrassi theme. Oh, no. Every day is a winding road. No, I know. I know. But we know how I feel about Degrassi. (laughs) It's true. Okay. Are you ready to recap this episode in 60 seconds? Uh, I guess I better be. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, All right. In three, two, one, go. So a family's brutally murdered by the mute, but like one kid gets away, and then Peter and Derek negotiate with Brayden about trying to find Kate, and Silas and Scott talk about their money problems at tri- uh, before tryouts, and then the murder boy shows up at the hospital, and the sheriff and Melissa investigate, and they're like, no, we don't need to involve the boys because this just looks like regular, regular homicide, and then Liam joins the team, and the Yukamiras are moving, oh my gosh, and then the kiddos find out about the murders, and they're like, we should go help, and then they're like, maybe we should let the parents handle it, and then Scott kisses Kira, and he's really, really flustered about it, and then they're at the cross tryouts, which is the best sequence of this whole episode and um uh, liam is really really good at lacrosse and they don't like it and then lydia shows up at the crime scene and Derek and Braden flirt for a little bit and then scott and kira talk and then kira scott's like i don't regret kissing you i'm kissing you again and then lydia and Parrish are at the murder scene and they find this like fridge full of dead bodies and then scott and styles take liam to the hospital because they accidentally hurt him at tryouts and then styles and malia have a little moment where he's like i'm gonna help you but we're gonna make out some more i promise and then lydia's like writing code in her notes and styles is like what the f and then Liam talks to his stepdad, and Lydia tells Scott about uh, the game locker and Sean, um, and then he attacks Liam at the hospital, mm-hmm. and then Scott bites him. And then bites Liam. Yes. And then I thought I was doing pretty good when that timer went off. I was you like, were. no, I you was were on a roll. Perusing, I will say. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> do you think you can do better? We'll you see. better, because otherwise this is going to be a confusing podcast. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. On your mark. Get that. Go. Okay, so a young teenage boy, his whole family is murdered, but he somehow makes it away. So Peter and Derek are trying to find Kate, so they bring Brayden in, um, and they're trying to double-cross the Calaveras. There are lacrosse childs. Um, that kid makes it to the hospital, and, Malia, and Melissa's there, and she tells the sheriff, well, we're just not going to involve the kids. Kira's family is planning to move back to New York because her dad used to be a professor at Columbia, and he's bored. Um, Styles is very suspicious of Liam, thinks that he is a werewolf. Malia hates math class, relatable. Styles wants to investigate, but the Scott's really not down for the murders, but he kisses Kira, and then they go to lacrosse tryouts, and there's lots of shenanigans. Um, Coach and Malia have fun, and Kira and Malia 
have fun. Um, Brayden and Derek are having fun times. Um, there's lots of kissing. Lydia and Paris show up to the house, um, and they find a bunch of dead bodies. And uh, then Malia's highlighters matches Styles' murder board. Liam's stepdad is the doctor at the hospital. Um, Sean eats. Sean is the child he eats the deputy um and scott just wants to help but he can't and then he bites liam to save him from falling off the cliff. and the mute kills the child yeah <laughs> yes was that uh helpful uh better because i forgot that the mute killed that kid yeah um anyway so beyond that we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of competition mm-hmm. everybody is kind of at odds with something whether that be like a, another person or a physical force in their life um and it inspires a lot of this episode and also is what ultimately uh, begets the biggest part of this episode, which is Scott biting Liam. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Before we get there, I kind of want to start with Brayden. She's back. She's back. And sexy. Yeah. And as far as competition goes, it's other people vying for her uh, attention in this one. Because she is a businesswoman. An excellent businesswoman. Yeah. yeah, love it. <laughs> she's she's willing to go behind the Calaveras back for more money. Yeah. Respect. Respect, yeah. She's like, it, what, what's the worst that happens? I get dead? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I respect that. Um, and they have this really inter- interesting interaction where Derek is uh, less worried about their funds, their family funds being gone because he's a landlord and like, that's the worst. I hate that. But like, he's not as worried as Peter, but Peter is like very much, um, stressed out about the, the, the new hail money development. His whole, what am I going to do? Get a job. God, I wish that were me. God, I wish that were me. Um, very Peter, very on brand uh-huh. for that guy. Um, but Brayden knows that she can get what she wants from these people and like what does it matter to her if kate is alive or where she is truly like she has nothing to do with any of that it was good to introduce like mercs into teen wolf because that kind of explains the deadpool Mm -hmm. um but it's really funny to me that we are now setting up a competition between the werewolves (laughs) and the hunters basically to see who gets Kate first, like who gets to murder Kate, which Mm -hmm. is like really interesting. And it's really cool that it's sort of put on top. Like it's get that, you know, um, back and forth is set on top of a character who has no, no money in this pot. Like she, she gets paid by both of them and really has not, you know, Mm -hmm. doesn't have to have an opinion either way. Yeah. And I just find it very interesting that like Peter and Derek, um, can't find Kate on their own because that would be their initial move. Yeah. Um, so the other werewolves can't find Kate. The Hunter family can't find Kate. It's up to Brayden, who somehow steals a U.S. Marshal badge with all her bag of tricks to find it, to find Kate. <laughs> um, very impressive. Yeah. That she can do all of that. And then, you know, she gets to sleep with Derek. So it's like a win-win. Yes. Yeah. Good for her. Which is the implication. Um, it also sets up a competition sort of between Peter and Derek. Like, a sort of a race for information because I think Peter is looking at what's happening to Derek and is like, I need to figure this out first so that it can only benefit me. Oh, yeah, because Peter, if he's not 10 steps ahead of everyone, he uh, is freaked out. Yeah. Uh-huh. And as we find out, I think at the end of this particular season, Peter has always been 10 steps ahead. 
we know that, but it's like reinforced time and time again. King shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we obviously see Brayden have a much different interaction with Derek. They're kind of starting their little flirtation. Mm -hmm. I think that they're like, I wish we knew more about Brayden. Like I wish she had a stronger character, um, sense because she's sort of separated from the original like friend group because she's not a teenager. And because we see Derek less and less these days because Scott needs him less. It's really hard to give her as much of a background as we would want. Mm -hmm. But I also think her and Derek are a great couple. Very into it. I love it. She also kind of fulfills a similar function to Morel because Morel is not around anymore. So she's kind of like that juxtaposition Just between like a badass black Deaton. lady. Well, her and Deaton as well, I think, yeah. function in kind of similar ways that Deaton and Morel did together. Um, yeah. I like her. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for her. Um, and it's interesting to see kind of how the competition plays out between Peter and Derek, who are uh, chill for the most part right now. Right now. But Peter is both worried about and for Derek. The yellow eyes is really big news yeah, to Peter. It's very interesting because we know that Peter has a capacity for like human feeling. Um, he just doesn't often exhibit it. Or so, he doesn't choose to engage. Yeah. But he is, yeah, it's the, it's always that double-edged sword for Peter where he's like, I'm concerned about Derek, but I'm also concerned about me. me. I'm worried for me. I mean, that's how I go through life. <laughs> so Peter's just very honest. Yeah. Um, the next person I want to talk about is Kira. Because yes. Kira is in competition with her parents, primarily her mother, which is... Uh, Pretty much what it's just like being a high school girl. Mm -hmm. um, and she finds out that her parents plan on selling their house and they're moving back to New York because they only ever moved here because of they the were... Nougatine, which yeah. I wish had been made more clear. Yeah, that felt like news to me. It felt like news to me also. Mm. Um, us who have watched this very closely twice through. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was funny that her dad was like, I used to be a professor at Columbia. I'm like, there are colleges in California. Yeah. You can teach Just there. a bunch. <laughs> like, we don't know where so many. We don't know where Beacon Hills is, so I can't say, like, go, you know. Go teach at Stanford. Go teach at Stanford. But, like, <laughs> someone. There has to be, like, an exchange program between Ivies, right, for professors. Stanford's not an Ivy. Yeah. It's, mm, it's, an, it's like the Ivy it's of the an West. an honorary Ivy. Yeah. Um... Technically, Michigan is the Ivy of the West. The Harvard of the West. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kira. No Teen Wolf. Only college discourse. <laughs> um, so Kira wants to stay in Beacon Hills, obviously, because she has friends. And not only this, but as she so rightfully points out, um, we were going to move back to New York before you told me that I was like a mythical creature. Yeah. Before we, I made friends who are also mythical creatures. Yeah, with a support system of mythical creatures. And her mom's like, yeah, I can't really help you with that. Don't you guys like being in California? It's warm. <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand uh, what the hurry is. And it also feels very um, unempathetic on that the part said, of her parents. I, I, I obviously am taking the side of Kira because I am in this situation a Kira. Um, but if I was taking it from you know, the mom's perspective, she hasn't had a lot of bad, bad shit happen to her in California. She's lost all of her tales. She just had to relive some of the worst parts of her life. I'd probably want to skedaddle too. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like there are a lot of unanswered questions about that whole family. Like 
at the beginning of this scene, this has nothing to do with the fact that they're moving, but she looks like she's unpacking silver bars. Like, you know the way that they package gold in, yes. like, bars? But, like, silver. Yeah. That's what it looks like she's doing. And I'm like, what is happening here? Uh, I just assumed they were artifacts of some kind. I guess. But it's just the whole the whole construction yes. of that. I'm like, you don't seem very sympathetic. And poor Kira is going to have to leave all of her friends. And it's weird because she's like, you don't know my friends like I do. I'm pretty sure your mom knows that everybody's a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't know them on a personal level, but she does know mm-hmm. that, like, when they when they go to New York, what does Kira say to the people in her class? Oh, by the way, I make lightning. Mm-hmm. No, I mean she could say that they would be like, "This is New York, man. Do what you want." But it's also the middle of the school year. I get Teen Wolf actually, in general, is pretty good at like showing the realistic side of the fact that these kids are in high school. Like Scott fails all his classes. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's obviously some sort of like suspension of disbelief because it's a, it's a show about supernatural creatures, but it's the middle of the school year. Yeah. It's the middle of the school year. Why are they leaving? I don't know. I did love though that, you know, she brings the for sale sign in and she's like, what's this? And her mom's like, that's what you put up when you try to sell your house. And then later her mom can't figure out why the, no one has come to their open house. And mm-hmm. she, Walk and her dad walks back in with the for sale sign, which has clearly been chopped up with a katana. It's like yes. straight cuts entirely. Very, very cute of her. Very cute of her. Great um, continuity in terms of like production design. Um, yeah, great. Yes, so good. And poor Kira. In terms of her contention with her parents, but she's also kind of getting what she wants towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least it's implied. Well, she gets with Scott. They have a little kiss. They have a little smooch. They have two smooches. Mm-hmm. One is, as Skyle sa- <laughs> Style says, oh, chaste. <laughs> and the other is very, very dreamy and wonderful. And because it's, he's like, it's very notebook-esque. Mm-hmm. It still isn't over. <laughs> they're they're just so stinking cute. They are. And um, I think it's very interesting that Noshiko is like, Scott is not your first boyfriend. Um, and he won't be your last. And then Kira's like, well, he's not my boyfriend. But... It, you know, Kira, it's not as though Kira is experiencing all this for the first time. She just really likes Scott. Mm-hmm. She just really, really likes him. Yeah, she do. I really like Scott, too. Relatable. If I met a Scott, I'd be like, oh, I'm never leaving you alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, very sweet. It's very sweet. I want to talk a little bit about Leah. She is in competition with um, the entire universe seems to be against her in the worst way. and Except for Styles. Styles is the only person who is going to bat for Malia, and he doesn't have the, you know, anything kind of power to, like, get people to actually stop, you know, actually help Malia in the way she needs to be helped. I think Malia is also trying to help. Yes. Um, she tells Malia to put her claws away. Yeah. At the, the whiteboard. She's like, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> Darling. Put your claws, put your claws away. away. Um... Yeah, Malia, it, and I, I railed about this, ranted about this last episode, Malia should have an IEP. Mm-hmm. She would have had to go through rigorous testing just to rejoin public school um, yes. to know where she was at. And every single teacher should have been briefed yeah. on her. Oh, and if she's really doing that, like teachers can sometimes be pretty awful. Awful. Mm-hmm. Um, no one is calling a kid to the board who physically can't do the math. That's embarrassing. And I know that there are teachers are out there who will do that, but I highly doubt every single teacher in Beacon Hills 
who we've seen kind of do that shit to her is actually would actually do that stuff oh yeah i know it plays for funny laughs but um but no okay i I, i've told you before that i've had a series of nightmares recently where i have to go back to high school (laughs) (laughs) like voluntarily and then i immediately fail all of my classes that's my nightmare being called up to the board um i get it and poor malia this happens to her all the time she gets called up to the board she gets called out to answer questions when she didn't have her hand up yeah Everything seems to be working against her and Styles being just like, and even like it, Styles is so invested that like, even when she's like, uh, yeah, I think we should just hook up. Homework is boring. He's like, no, we're no. doing this. Cause I need to like help you immerse yourself in life again. Yeah. Um, even though you know that he would rather them just make out. Yeah. Styles is the best. He is the best. Um, there is a really lovely moment where Malia is explaining the color highlighters that she uses, like red for she doesn't understand, yellow for she's working on it, green means she understands it, and it's the colors that Styles uses on his murder board, mm. the yarn. Yeah, they really had to find a red highlighter to make that work. You can't even Who? read red highlighter. What psychotic what? person would use red highlighter? I don't. There's they, they make pink highlighters. They do. I'm, I like I I'm, like them. I am a green highlighter person. I am a pink or blue. I like green. It's what I highlight all my scripts in, insides. I don't know why. Green is my memory color. I. You know what? Whatever works for whatever, you. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever blows your hair back. Yeah. yeah. Um. I. Sorry. Go ahead. I. I actually, weirdly enough, think that at the end, um, of the scene where. Styles and Malia are studying. He like pulls out Lydia's supposed notes, um, which earlier on Lydia was like, "Didn't you look at the notes that I gave you?" And Malia was like, "Yeah, I didn't understand them." Mm-hmm. And we think that oh, that's just another like you know roadblock for Malia that she didn't even understand Lydia's notes. But it's just computer code. Yeah, it turns out to just be computer code, so it's not Malia at all. Nope, it's Lydia the- is just <laughs> bansheeing it up again. Yeah. Losing it <laughs> constantly. Constantly. Um, but yeah, Malia is uh, really struggling in school. Yeah. And probably will continue to, but she seems on the social spectrum. Doing good. Doing real good. Yeah, her and style seem to be vibing. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I want to hear. Speaking of Malia, no, not Malia, Lydia. Mm. Lydia is in competition with herself these days because as... Things keep getting worse, especially because of the Deadpool, which we later find out was created by a Banshee. Her powers are leading her to all kinds of crazy stuff. And this feels really reminiscent of when she was drawing the trees. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and she finds herself in the house of, of this murdered family. And she has this conversation with Parrish where Parrish is like, yeah, I've heard rumors about you crazy lady showing up with dead bodies. You're- and... You just realize that, like, Lydia is really, you have a feeling that she has a sort of really strange relationship with herself at this moment, because she doesn't want to think of herself as a person who finds dead bodies or have that reputation. And she also doesn't want to be the person who does that, but she has no choice in the matter. And she is frustrated with trying to, you know, um reckon the two sides of her, one of which is just a normal, I'll bet they'll be a genius uh, high schooler. And the other is somebody who is surrounded by the worst things that could possibly happen to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find it really interesting in how she's trying to, you know, 
like relay the two sides of herself to herself. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's somewhat of an identity crisis. Yes, she has come so far from the Lydia that we met in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just on like a personal level of her like interactions with friends, she's much more empathetic and open. I would say, which is not that she wasn't capable of it, but she's not like the popular mean girl anymore. Which I think happens to you when you're found naked in the woods. Um, Maybe it's the knife mountains. Yeah. And so it's, it seems kind of like Scott is able to live his werewolf life and live his normal life. And those things kind of bleed over, but he doesn't really get that kind of public reputation. Yeah. In the same way that Lydia does. And so that's really hard because those two sides of herself are somewhat public. Like people don't know that she's a banshee but they know that she shows up at the murder houses. Yeah. And to an extent I can understand why she ends up finding comfort in parish because he also is a, you know, death creature and he doesn't know this yet, but knows that something's up with him a lot, like similar with how Lydia, you know, was like, I'm something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really interesting, um, in the way that they try to, create a foil for her i will say they um, it is just ridiculous to be like well lydia's 18 she can date a 25 year old no no unfortunately and i feel like this happens with a lot of teen shows and the the example that comes to mind most readily is pretty little liars um where aria begins a, a flirtation slash relationship with her teacher um and then marries him at the end of the series which is absolutely disgusting um but you rationalize it because lucy hale looks like an adult because she is mm-hmm. and holland roden looks like an adult because she is yes um so it kind of cr- it creates this really weird dynamic of like i know that the character is too young for all of this nonsense but then you put her with Parrish, who's like a young handsome man they are both the only kind of supernatural creature like of their kind of their kind i mean there is meredith but like meredith isn't really she's not all there no not all there um so they're both kind of loners in that sense like they don't have other werewolves for support for example um and it makes sense that they keep getting drawn together yeah um kind of sucks though yeah i just it it feels like somebody was like well it it would be interesting i think it would actually be really interesting to me if there was any kind of commentary being made with their relationship by being like, yeah, this shouldn't happen, but you know, because they're the way they are, it, it you know, it's it's looking like it's going to be that way. But because it's just sort of a weird will they, won't they? Nobody's commenting on the fact that it is would be wildly inappropriate if they did. It's like, come on, mm-hmm. boring. Yeah, it is boring, and particularly boring because it never comes to fruition of any kind. Yeah, there's no confrontation. There's no smoochies, which fine, I'm fine with. I think they kiss in a but... hallucination. Oh. I think. No. I don't know. Um, it's just like, it's, it is what it is, but it's frustrating. Yes. Um, shall we talk about Scott and Styles and, and Liam. Liam, sweet baby Liam. So many Angie issues. <laughs> Liam anger management issues Dunbar. Yes. Um, I love him. He's new to Beacon Hills because yes. he got kicked out of whatever preparatory school he was previously was like going Davenport to or something. Yeah. Um, which I believe is where Satomi's pack members 
come from later on. I think yes. they're from that school. Uh-huh. Um, I love Satomi. I love her so much. I wish she was like actually a part of the show. That would have been cool. great. Um, but Liam wants to, I mean, he's very ambitious. He's a little freshman and he wants to make a co-captain or something. He does. And I don't think that's allowed. I, yeah. I think freshmen can make varsity, but I don't think that they can be captains. I, I don't know anything about high school sports, so I really couldn't tell you. I didn't do one with a captain, see? Um, but it does feel weird that no part of being a captain in this universe has to do with, like, personal merit. Leadership skills. Yes. Of which Scott has plenty. Which is why he was made, part, part of the reason why he was made co-captain, because he, not only just because he was really good. If I were coach, I would not look at Liam and be like, yeah, that kid with, like, the Angie problems can be <laughs> the co-captain of my team. No. No. But coach, um... Coach inspires a lot of the competition, though, in in the lacrosse scene, which is a really long scene. Great. It's so fun. I had so much fun watching it, and it's broken up by some other scenes that get put, you know, with it. Mm-hmm. But it's clear that, like, obviously Coach is just like, it's high school lacrosse. Go crazy. Mm-hmm. And doesn't really realize how much this means to Scott and Styles for their sense of normalcy. And then also to Liam, because he just needs to get somewhere and immediately fit in because he can't really deal with like the damage he's caused elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And so the stakes are so much higher for these three people than it ever would be for anybody else on the team, which is why they're just kind of standing laughing at Scott when he like can't be good at lacrosse (laughs) for a minute. Um, And ultimately it ends up resulting in a bet that Malia makes with the coach that like they get a do over against a two on one with Liam and then Scott breaks his ankle, mm-hmm. breaks Liam's ankle. Uh, and then Kira's on the team. Random thing that we should probably throw in. Oh yeah. Kira joins the lacrosse Kira team. Kira joins the lacrosse team. Um, I find it, I find this whole thing so interesting because there was very little lacrosse in the whole third season, both A and B. Um, and at the beginning in the locker room, coach is like, this is a fresh start. And he's talking about how Jackson is gone and how Isaac is gone and how Greenberg isn't gone. (laughs) Um, But that also kind of calls to mind, like this school has lost a phenomenal amount of students. Yeah. Um, Just in terms of what's normal, Uh, quote unquote normal. Um, And so it makes sense that coach and probably some of the other team members like really want this to be, raw, raw, fresh start, brand new team, new attitude. Like this is gonna be the thing that kind of lifts us out of being the school where all these people have been murdered. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of pressure to put on a sport. Yeah. But that's very American. It very much is. Yeah. There is a whole CW show about high school football. So the epic highs and lows (laughs) of high school football. No, no, no. That is, no. Oh, All American, American with, with Cody Christian. Yes. That's right. Yes. Yeah, 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 that guy. Um, we care very much about high school sports for some reason. Yeah. Americans do. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot going on. Scott really, really wants to be captain. Yeah, I think he also, like Lydia, is in competition with himself to prove that he can still be all these things um, after everything that's happened to them, which mm-hmm. has been seriously detrimental to everyone's physical, mental, spiritual well-being. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, you know, I do also think like when Styles is like, 
He mentions that he sucks at lacrosse, which he does, which is fine. I can't play sports either. But he, I think, also, you know, really needs his place on the lacrosse team to feel like he's more than just, like, some guy. It's also Scott and Styles' origin story. It is. At least to us. Like, they obviously have been friends forever. But to us in the first season, like, lacrosse is how Scott learned control. And that was facilitated in large part by Styles. Yeah, hitting him with the lacrosse balls <laughs> in the heart monitor. And also, um, Styles just spent uh, an entire 12 episode arc being possessed by a dark spirit. I think he just wants to be normal. He needs normalcy. He's like, I need to be, I need to ride the pine for this entire season just so I can feel <laughs> something again. And he's also like tremendously generous towards Scott um, because Scott's really trying to like play it as though he doesn't care. Yeah. And he's like, dude, it's okay to want things. I love that. Yeah. I, it is so rarely do you hear anybody, especially non-romantic partners say that to like another person in a Mm -hmm. show like this, where a key component of the main character is the fact that they take on, you know, the weight of the world constantly. Mm -hmm. You rarely hear that. And to just have styles being like, you can be happy too, by the way, is Mm -hmm. so necessary and so sweet in that moment. Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting that like, yeah, Coach is very, very um, enamored by Liam and Liam is really getting gassed up by that because he clearly lives off a crowd, which I like love that Liam is vain as well as angry. Oh, yes. It's so great when he's like, I'm just good at lacrosse. I'm like, yeah, you are. I like <laughs> love that, um, which clearly stirs more competition amongst them. But after Scott and Styles like take down a couple people in the two and ones, Coach like kind of remembers that they're like the heart and soul of his team. And he's like, those are like sons to me. <laughs> The bigger they are. The bigger, the bigger they, they are. are. The bigger they are. The bigger they are. Um, yeah. And it's very sweet. He, Coach Will, Will does and has gone to bat for these kids, and those two in particular. Yes. Um, and I think he, watching Liam and then watching the two of them is like, oh, oh, this could be good again. Mm-hmm. This could be good again. I have purpose and meaning in my life again. Yeah. Um, because we know that Coach has problems. Yeah. Um... um and I think, to a degree, I think the competition was really fun to watch Styles and Scott get excited about lacrosse again. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it resulted in Liam getting hurt, which sucks, because uh, they would never want to actually do that to somebody. And they have the conversation in the hospital where, like, Styles is like, I don't have to tell you that you didn't do this, right? Like, this is, wasn't on purpose. And Scott is kind of sitting there like, shit, what if it was? Mm-hmm. Another amazing interaction. The really good Scott and Styles friendship in this episode. Um, very much so. And, but they, they ultimately really like as, as fun as it is for us to watch, they kind of realize that they have to take a step back away from, you know, being overpassionate about things that could ultimately get people hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And their whole attitude towards Liam in general is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And now it has to, has to, mm-hmm. because in the next episode, Scott is going to be like, we're brothers. And Liam is going to be like, you bit me. <laughs> I hate you. Um, so, yeah, Scott all of a sudden has a child. Yeah. He has he, a son. He also doesn't, like, the, the competition continues to fester, but it is not in Scott's best interest to just sort of, like, let that be, like, a guy who kind of bothers him. He has to have Liam on his side, mm-hmm. which is ultimately um, incredibly interesting and also really telling about how 
contentious their relationship is in the way that it starts like this on the cross field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do quickly want to talk about the new character, the other new character that is introduced, Sean, um, who we see the mute kill his family at the beginning of this episode. And it is discovered when Parrish and Lydia find the game freezer full of human bodies that he's clearly, his family was clearly not human. And that mm-hmm. sets up, you know, the Deadpool, which is about hunting down all creatures, uh, supernatural. And th- <laughs> Sean reveals to them at the end of the episode, after eating an orderly and trying to kill Liam, that he is a creature called a Wendigo, um, which is, <laughs> we have, this has been a really big topic in the way that we talk about, uh, supernatural, um, creatures in a lot of shows now i've seen this discourse if you pay attention to pretty much any like fantasy or like you know genre shows you've probably seen stuff about this um and it kind of brings into question why they would use this creature when when this episode was put out in like 2014 2015 we already knew that you really shouldn't be uh misappropriating like native um folklore for Mm -hmm. um your random monster you picked out of a grab bag. So these creatures are Algonquin and, um, it is, you know, uh, they are like born of a psychosis. It's like supposed to be a, a, a creature of greed. They don't evoke the name, um, in this culture because it is like that terrifying. It is like very much, not supposed to be like a monster of the week type thing. Mm-hmm. Really confusing to me as to why Teen Wolf would make that their creature and then try to make it kind of sexy and like vicious and have no root in its original form. I just wanted to bring that up because out of every creature you could just reach into a bag from, like from an episode of Supernatural or something, I don't really know why they picked this one. I like the idea of expanding the universe with the exception of vampires. Thank God they never put vampires in the show. Felt weird to pick that one. I know people have had that, like, picked this bone with Teen Wolf before. Just wanted to mention it before we kind of got to the end of the episode. Yeah, it's um, odd. It feels very out of place. And, um, yeah, I didn't like it. I'm just gonna, just gonna say that. It feels... We have already established that no one on Teen Wolf, no one who writes for Teen Wolf knows how to read. Mm-hmm. No one knows how to read. Clearly they didn't read about these creatures. They were like, that sounds neat. Mm-hmm. Let's put it in. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because, again, just like pick another random piece of folklore. Pick like an actual cryptid, not a, you know. Well, what is crazy to me is that like the concept of werewolves or even the concept of vampires exist in multiple different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not pick a creature that exists in multiple different cultures. So that way you have a bunch of mythology to draw on and you're not using something from an oppressed group yeah. that you're not going to appropriately give attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, things like banshees, like obviously we consider that to be Celtic, but there's like the wailing women, women in like a lot of cultures and mm-hmm. stuff. That's just the name it got in Teen Wolf. And it's also, again, not a, like a closed culture. Yeah. And it hasn't, again, this, there's been a lot of discourse about what can and should not be borrowed from native culture. So that just feels very weird to me. It could, it could be, they could have chosen anything. You're right. And they didn't, but we ended up with a creature who, uh, he and his family of four, part of a family of four Mm -hmm. eats people. Yep. 
all the time because they're always hungry, I guess is the implication. Yeah. I mean like those creatures are supposed to be like insatiable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things you could say. Like, actually I would rather he just be a vampire. <laughs> I'd rather him just be a vampire. Yeah. Well, and it's, but it's weird because they're trying to set it up as though like every single supernatural creature exists within the human world, which I guess is just what Teen Wolf is doing that like you can blend in mm-hmm. kind of. Um, but this seems like a stretch. It seems like a stretch that a whole family of people eating, you know, mythical creatures were just blonde haired, blue eyed white people who live in the suburbs. Yeah. That just seems very weird to me. It's all weird. Um, yeah, I th- we don't need to hang on that for any longer. I just wanted to say that it struck me, struck me as odd and I didn't want to not mention it. Um, but Sean and Liam and Scott and the mute all meet at the top of the hospital. Um, Apparently it's very easy to get up onto that roof. Very weird. It shouldn't be. It should it not should, be. It should not be. Um, and w- basically with that final kill and the computer code that we see earlier in the episode, we realize what the actual big competition of this season is going to be, which is the Deadpool. I don't know if you if you haven't seen it, that if you could figure that out, but mm-hmm. clearly somebody's getting instructions and names to kill people and you get money and you get money if you do that. Yep. Um, and I think the idea of a Deadpool is like so smart. I think it's so, I kind of think the way that that ends up getting wrapped up at the end of the season is really dumb. I think it gets very out of hand very fast for some reason. Yeah. But at the start (laughs) it's like, that would be so crazy to try to find out who the benefactor is of hunting down all of, because it's not like a hunters where they're like, Oh, like we do this because it's honorable. Just like mm-hmm. I love taking morality out of the equation. It's like this is for money, and I'm doing this for money. Is like, and there's no attempt to humanize most of these people. Yeah, which is great. I don't want to have to think about the moral repercussions. I don't either. Um, it's um, scary. Yeah. Um, but the mute kills Sean, and then Scott bites Liam, and that's where we leave them. But I just wanted to also bring up that the mute is terrifying. What an excellent, it's like a very, he's like so much a comic book villain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like, don't really, I don't want, I don't want a reason for his backstory. I don't know anything about him. I just think he's terrifying. Weirdly enough, I just rewatched the Da Vinci Code for the first time in like a decade. And he reminds me of the Paul Bettany albino character. I have not seen the Da Vinci Code. um, Maybe ever. He, Paul Bettany murders people. Cool to protect it's the da vinci code is incredibly dumb don't no one needs to watch it um but yeah i think it's cool i think there's a reason why those villains are so scary um and it's very effective and it's very different from anything else that has been threatening these teenagers before yeah again like i think that anybody who's like i'm doing this because i'm getting revenge i'm doing this because i'm like i the, the the deadpool is is almost like a sort of like um bureaucratic version of the Nogitsune. It's like, no, I'm just doing this to do this, which is yeah. great. I'm on my way to murder Elena. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's do a Vampire Diaries podcast. I'm, I've, that would be very fun since I haven't watched it. You'd love it. I know I would. Um, but, all right. Are you ready to go to the Q's and O's? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any questions? I don't. This episode was also similarly very straightforward. We're still very much in the early days of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, most of my questions are questions that you could not possibly answer because it's like... And I won't try. ...that the writers failed to account for. Okay, number one, why doesn't the sheriff have health insurance? Styles is talking about the fact that, like, they have all these hospital bills, um, but the sheriff, who is a public servant... Yeah. Public servants have fantastic health insurance. Yeah. That's why I was so disappointed to turn 26, because my mother has public teacher insurance, like, that shit is amazing. It doesn't make any sense to me. I also don't know how expensive MRIs are. You know, there's some stuff that, like, even with, they gotta do copays and shit. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I didn't have to pay anything to get my wisdom teeth out. That's expensive. Yeah. That's a surgery. I didn't have to pay anything for a sleep study. Like, there, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at all. The American health system doesn't make sense to you? Yeah. <laughs> what every, a Everyone else included. <laughs> um, also, also, also... There are so many dead bodies in that freezer. Yeah. Where did they come from? They go on run Because trips. if they were all from Beacon Hills, I think that the FBI would have been involved way sooner. Yeah. Um, also, there's no one in that hospital when they're fighting. It's for the drama. <laughs> it's for the drama. Suspend your disbelief. <laughs> I know. But sometimes, sometimes it just becomes so egregious that I'm like... Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Also, uh, like, Liam would not have gotten a room in the hospital. No. You get put on a gurney and they decide whether or not they'll cast you. It's like... Yeah, have fun sitting in the waiting room. You'll be sitting in the hallway, actually. I guess it's because his dad is the doctor. Oh, yeah. His stepdad's the doctor. Um, what are your observations? Um... Oh, I just love... Uh, Styles says so many funny things in this episode, and yes. I forgot about the the part where they're doing like the race like the timed laps at the tryouts <laughs> and scott picks him up he's like yeah you good hey you good and he's like no i'm gonna puke take me somewhere <laughs> where does scott take him does he actually puke very funny they love each other so much um and i love them and we talked about my other ones because my mm-hmm. other ones were like the the ones where styles is like it's okay to do something for yourself and then the malia highlighter situ- situation yeah which oh like, I, Styles and Malia was so smart to do before you did Stydia. Mm-hmm. I really think it was so smart. Yeah, because that means that Styles has practiced being in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and Malia has someone who really cares about her, which she needs. Yep. Um, yeah. And they also just get along and like each other. Like, it's it's it, good vibes. <laughs> good vibes all around. Yeah. Um, no thoughts, just vibes. Do you have any observations? Loved the Greenberg joke. I always love a Greenberg joke. Love a Greenberg joke. Um, Lydia's left-handed, which just means that Holland Roden is handed, left-handed. Um, doesn't matter. I just thought that no, was fun. No, but it's fun. It's fun. Um, also, everyone looked particularly sexy in this episode. Everyone was, yeah. Everyone looked very good. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Yep. Loved it. Yeah. And sometimes I have like a lot of gripes about the fashion on this show. None whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the boys spent most of the time in, like, workout clothes. Do it do it more. Do it more. <laughs> I mean, I can't, gripe, I can't gripe about, like, practice wear. No. Flexi vibes, so. They all, they all look great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was that it? For your, oh, for your observations? Um, my, we, we touched on this very briefly, but I just wanted to emphasize how much I absolutely loved the interaction between Kira and Coach. Because she stops um, the lacrosse ball from hitting Malia's face. And he's like, wait just a goddamn minute. Like, mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she's on the team. And um, the episode kind of, it doesn't close out on this. But the last we see of her in this episode is she's just like throwing a lacrosse ball around in her room with her new lacrosse stick. And she's so happy. And I want her to be happy. Yeah. 
She's she's thrilled, and I'm thrilled for her. Yeah. That's my last observation. This does mean, though, that Beacon Hills doesn't have a girls lacrosse team, and I'm like, Title IX says no. <laughs> Title IX says you have to. So, so. I don't know. I guess actually Title IX says if you don't have a girls lacrosse team, you have to let the girls play on the boys team, but yeah. you should have a girls lacrosse team. Yeah, I'm not sure what the legal use says on that, but it seems dubious. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. totally fun. Or maybe there's like a bunch of other cool girl sports that we don't know about that actually does give them equal sports teams. Like maybe there's mm-hmm. a girls fencing team. I'd be very into but that. But then Kira would be on the fencing team, wouldn't she? Yes, be? because she can wield a sword yeah. magically. All right. Well, I logicked myself out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do pack stats? Yeah. Um, we had three eyes. Um, one claws when Malia is trying to do math at the board and uh-huh. she's so stressed out her claws come out. She's really just sad. Yeah. Um, no shirts, weirdly, because like everyone's very sexy in this episode, but no one takes their shirt off. Mm-hmm. Um, writers take notes. You don't have to be naked for it to be sexy. Yeah. Um, there may have been more ads, but the one that I noticed obviously was Nike because both Scott and Styles are wearing Nike swoosh shirts. And uh, Liam. Liam is wearing the cleats. Yeah. Um, and no sirens. Yeah. At all so far. Quiet night. Mm hmm. It's, it was a really lovely day outside. I think I feel like people are not getting up to their usual shenanigans. Maybe. They or they had... were just doing their shenanigans in the daylight. Yeah. Um, cool. Do you have an alpha of the week? Um, styles. My alpha of the week is styles. But I also wanted to say that uh, tonight, Tuesday, as we are recording this, is the premiere of Tyler Hecklin's new show, Superman and Lois, on the CW. So just in general, like my alpha of the week for like real life i'm happy for him yeah yeah we were both saying like yeah i'm not really watching anybody else's like outside of teen wolf work (laughs) yeah but but i'll I'll watch superman and lois i miss smallville i it was on for 10 years i can go back and watch all of smallville (laughs) but like i don't know Mm -hmm. it'd be fun it could be fun yeah it could be fun yeah i just wanted to throw that out there who's your alpha of the week styles yeah my alpha of the outside of the world week is yeah. me. <laughs> I made it through the week, so. It is only Tuesday. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Ouch. That hurt. That hurt. All right. If you liked this podcast, and I really hope you did, I hope that you follow us on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. This is also our Instagram handle. Um, if you really liked it, I implore you to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, if you leave us five stars and a review, we'll give you a shout out on Twitter and read your review out loud on the pod, um, which is always fun to do. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. You can join us on Facebook at Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. And you can send us an email. I always forget that. But if you guys ever want to send us an email, because sometimes we'll get just like paragraphs long of like Teen Wolf questions. And I love it. We, we love um, getting emails. Yeah. You can email us at teenwolfrewolf at gmail. Um, other than that, I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, uh, woo!